I'm Matt Ingram, a musician, producer and co-owner of Urchin Studios in East London. In these podcasts, I'll be talking with creative individuals that I know and admire about music, art, the creative process and of course whatever else comes up. Joining me today is the musician Jeremy Wormsley, who is one half of the electro-pop band Summer Camp. Jeremy Wormsley. Are we already recording? This is it. We've started. I'm going to put my phone to the off mode. Yeah. Please, please, please do that. Um, thanks for coming in. I just got to say that when I first had the whole the, the idea for the podcast, there was like a list of of people, and you your name was at the top of the list of people that I wanted to come in. Wow. So thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Um, can can keep me away with wolves. <laughs> Okay, so basically, I just want to start. You sent me the track last night from from the new from the new summer camp album. Yeah, um, yeah, that wasn't an exclusive or anything. That's really <laughs> out there on the internet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. People, I, people I, I, actually, I actually confess, I, I, I hadn't I hadn't heard it uh, okay. until you sent it to me. And I guess I just want to start with this new record. You've, as you have done actually with 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 quite quite a lot of your records, you've you've written, arranged, mixed. You've basically done everything yourself. Well, no, me and Elizabeth have done it. Yes, and, yes, and Elizabeth. And, and in fact, uh, that's, you know, I think people sometimes have the idea that maybe Elizabeth sings and write the lyrics and I do everything else, and it's really not, you know, we really... She's a very musical person. Uh, she's absolutely. an amazing producer, really. And uh, I guess the point I'm making, though, is is it's just it's still just the two of you. There's, yeah, like, yeah. no outside influence. Yeah. But that's and the first time that... We've done a record. This first time we've mixed a record ourselves, um, apart from the, the the soundtrack that we did last year, which doesn't really count. Yeah. Uh, and it's the first time I've been involved in a record that hasn't had an outside mixer since my mm. first solo record, which I also mixed myself. Which which we will get onto. But um, no, yes, that, that, I mean that's my point. I, I guess I think if I did anything where I had to essentially do everything myself, or just or, or if it was just like me and Dan playing writing I, I don't think I, I think I go mad I, I you know how I mean what's the what's what's the, the the kind of process in kind of doing that well firstly I'd preface this by saying I don't really know any other way I've always done it mm-hmm. this way and when we've involved other people that's always been it's it's rarely something that's come from me Elizabeth has always been you know uh, up for that but it's generally something that's come from, you know, people we work with, managers and so forth. And um, what they're saying, oh, you need to, you need, yeah, you yeah. need help. Or, no, not you need help, but <laughs> why don't you try this? And I don't, I've never regretted it. And any of the stuff that I've worked with, that we've worked with, I or we have worked with other people, you know, I've been really lucky to work with some amazing producers. You know, mm. Stephen Street on the last record mm. and um, Marcus Dravs on, mm. my, on my second solo record. Um, but I grew up very much. I started off on a on an on actually on an eight-track cassette recorder, and then realised that I could just do it on the computer, which I already had, and have even more tracks. And then just gradually, you know, I've always had that thing of, well, I could just do it. I could get someone in to do this, or I could just do it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because um, that, that's what that's what I always felt about whenever I played drums with you. It was never like it was never like you might just listen to this a couple of times and just 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 do what you feel. Yeah, it I was the right. Yeah. This is how the hi hat part goes, yeah. which is awesome. I'm not saying that's, well, a, that's you know, really. And I always felt like if you if you were if you could play drums, yeah, um, you just you just play drums. Well, in this record, I do play drums. Oh yeah, you so, right, really? So there okay, you there you go. Um, Finally, out of a job. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed. It's kind of like I sometimes feel like you know bands to make a really bad metaphor. Ba- bands of of music, because obviously, as I've already said Elizabeth is a yeah. just a huge part but still there's there's we we don't have other musicians in there playing playing with us we don't we you know we never sit set up in a room and just start jamming out you know and I always look at bands that do that with a slightly envious envious feeling you know oh that must that must be nice to have that kind of you know musical connection with with other people and and obviously live we we use musicians mm-hmm. and I you know I really enjoy that process um but, you know, I've been in bands. I've had a couple of bands, actually, and none of them have taken off. And the projects where it's just been, you know, me or me and Elizabeth in a room, like, overdubbing one instrument at a time, have been, have been the projects that have taken off. So I think I'm probably just not very good at the, uh, the, other, the other way of doing things. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that. Yeah, I want to say. But I think it's you're saying it's like it's just what you're used to. That's the way you've always worked. Yeah. And when I ask you about the process, I guess that like, you know, there's the you know the traditional process of like right, you write a song, then there's the recording part, mm. then there's the then there's the the mixing part. Yeah. And I for you and particularly with this record, was did they just all kind of blur into one? You never or or you like no, we're writing now, and okay, now we're tracking. And now, or was it all just kind of doing it as, as you go? Well, yeah, we we write, we generally write and record the song at the same time, you know. Yeah. We, uh, we'll have like a pool of ideas that we're, that we're, you know, thinking about trying out for songs, stuff that I've kind of jammed out on my own or stuff where Elizabeth said, oh, I want to do a song that goes like this or, or whatever. And then... Um, We'll kind of go through those. Elizabeth is normally kind of the one who says, that's the best one, that's the best one. Uh, she'll have an idea for a song, or very occasionally I might. And then we'll just build up on that, build it up to like a, a verse and a chorus. And then we'll try and get a few up to that sort of standard, like oh, a decent verse and a chorus. We know what the song's about, we know where it's going, but we haven't dedicated you know days and days of our lives into this this song that might turn out to not be very good. Yeah. And when we've got a few of those, we can pick and choose which ones are the best. And we'll get a bunch of those up to the standard of a finished song and kind of mix as we go a little bit. But then at the end of that process, once we've got an album of songs that we're happy with, then we really just stop and say, okay, now we're going to mix it. Yeah, so, so but, mixing, but you never go, but you it. never go, right, we've got the songs, let's start again. Yeah, no. And, and even never, yeah. when you worked with Stephen Street, I understand you, you worked from... That's right, we worked off our demos and, you know, we, we went, we redid the drums. Cause, well, we did the drum, we recorded drums on top of a couple of tracks because, you know, it was just MIDI demo nonsense. So t- tell me about your new, your new drumming career, man. Well, I mean... How's it going? There was... Uh, easy, easy, isn't Elizabeth it? was uh, really keen that we, she wanted to do a song that was just like a barrage of noise. Right. And when you have stuff that's that's really heavy, it's really hard to have electronic drums keep up with that. When when stuff's when stuff's really heavy, you need yeah you need the live drum feeling really. But um, and I could have just demoed something up, but I knew that if I just demoed something up on MIDI drums, it was just never going to be good enough. And we were always going to just listen to it and be like, "Oh, this song sucks," probably just because of the MIDI drums. Right. So I thought, well, I've got a drum kit in this room which I never use. Why don't I just the blue, the blue one? The blue one, yeah, which the, my the, dad, yeah, my dad got when he was. Fact, okay, this is cool. My Matt used to teach my dad drumming, yeah, and my dad picked up a drum kit, and uh, and then he gave. And it to And then me. we toured that when I was touring with you. Yeah, we toured that, with that drum. Yeah, that got me, and that that yeah. took some abuse. Yeah, it yeah. tore some action. Yeah, we did one tour, which was uh, <laughs> Benga, who now plays with Metronomy. Yeah, you and me, and uh, Ash from Emperor Yes. There, I produced their album last year. And, Adam Betts, who's been on the podcast, is in that band too. And uh, it was the four of us in a Range Rover driving up and down the country. Great tour. That was a lot of fun. That Great time. tour. Do you know what? That was the first, that's the, the tour, that was the no drinking tour. <sighs> Maybe for you. Which, <laughs> no, no, none of us drunk on that tour. Benga doesn't drink, you weren't drinking, Ash was driving. Yeah. And, and I, was, I was like, oh, no drinking, this is going to... I don't remember that. This is going to be shit. And it was great. It, it was, was like, a great tour. Because if no and one's we had, drinking, uh, we it's had easy. It's JJ like... Pistolet supporting, who's now yes. the Vikings. Man, that was a... Yeah, that was a cool tour. Um, yeah. And actually, it was during that tour that I first started uh, romancing Elizabeth by email. Ah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, because I think I remember you saying, yeah. oh, I've met this girl. Yeah. And, yeah... Anyway, but but we were we 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 but I I just I've just made a note here that I must ask you about Emperor Yes as well. Oh, because we'll that record sounds great. Yeah, really really good. Oh, I love that record. Yeah. So, really but um, I feel like we were. You're drumming. You're telling me about your, oh, the your drum, so, yeah. Career, yeah. So this this heavy track and it needed heavy, you know, needed live drums. Um, so you went hard it. Yeah, but I can't <laughs> I can't just sit down on a kit and just and just play it. I'm just I'm not a good enough drummer. So I went in and I I actually recorded each each part of the kit one at a time and I at first was like I mean, there's no way this is going to work it's just going to sound terrible and then I did it and it, I thought it sounded really good so, so, so. but you must have you you must have quantized the um, elements I went in and I quantized a few bits Logic is is really good it has this mode called Flex I imagine Pro Tools or whatever has something probably similar. not but um, it it has a look at the the waveform and it it finds all the 
all the like it finds each hit and then you can just move each one around in time so and i try not to do it to the grid i try and i, I often do it to um I will do it by eye, which is a bit lazy, but I'll do it to like the guitar or something rather than just to, right, right, right. Because because I, I did think on your new track, the drums are, are, are quite loose in the best possible way. Then, ah, yeah. You know, well, actually, they. I mean, they are off a uh, Electribe drum machine. Like mm. more and more in this album, I think there's only one track where I didn't use either live drums or a, an actual drum machine with a some sense of, you know, pre-programmed but still some sense of groove rather than just putting samples in. On, on the screen, which yeah. I'm trying to get away from. It's just boring as well. Well, it's I mean, just a bit again, mousy, it's, isn't it? it's the way that I've, I've come up in it, and I, I love doing stuff that way, but I just wanted to kind of come up with something different. Yeah. And I love and, and I love playing with drum machines. I could talk about drum... I used, like, five, six different drum machines on this record, and I could talk about it for hours. Please talk, talk about well, talk about your relationship with, with the drum machine. Well, yeah, I mean... What, 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 what do you have? I Well, what I did was, uh, there's, like, maybe... F- at the moment, there's three really good drum machines on the market. And this is, I don't know, if you... Mate, this is... Is this, this, is this what this podcast this is, is for? We, okay. can, we, can do, we can go wherever you so want. There's an MFB Tans bar, which is like a pretty straightforward, analog, fully analogue drum machine. Uh, it's kind of halfway between an 808 and a 909. It's just got really good sounds. But the build quality, maybe not that great. There's the uh, analogue, uh, sorry, Electron. Um, have a drum machine called the... And I, I hate trying to say this, the, the Ritma. <laughs> Which is like Swedish I'm, for the word rhythm. I'm sure you've nailed that. Yeah. I'm sure there's going I mean, to be Swedish people yeah, listening to exactly. nod, nodding in approval. Going, I actually oh. kind of hate the name of that drum machine. And uh, uh, that's, that's a really cool um, half analog, half digital drum machine. You can load samples in on it. And there's the uh, Dave Smith Instruments Tempest. Uh, and I actually, what, I, I would buy one. I would try it out for a month. I would try and decide if I liked it or not. I'd, be unable, I'd send it back. I'd get the next one. Okay. So I had like a... I'd like a... How long do you keep that going for? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I did it like one month on, send it back, wait a month, try it another... And then I ended up keeping the Tempest. So that was okay. the one I went for. Even though you can't you can't switch the samples out on it, but it's just it's just the most what, fun. What's your... Uh, why do you prefer the drum machine than... than what What is it? Just the fact that you, you could... Something... It's more kind of tactile and you it's, can... It's more tactile. Uh, I don't know. It's just It's just more... It's more fun. And we've talked about this before, you know, we making have, making yes. music has to be fun, and that's yes. why using instruments is sometimes more fun than what. This is can sound really dumb. What, another thing I really like about it is that I can I can do it when I'm watching TV. <laughs> so what I, you pro- you program when you're watching TV? Yeah, really? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it has been. I watch a lot of TV. Like, I think TV at the moment is going through a, a great golden age. Yes, I'm really really enjoying TV at the moment. What What are you enjoying at the moment, Jeremy? Um, Better Call Saul is great. Yeah, do you know what? I, the new Community I, is great. Game of Thrones is starting up again next week. Very excited about that. Hmm. What were you going to say about? No, I, no Better Call Saul. I've, I've been having me, me and Lydia have been watching it, and uh, I, I I'm keep, only on episode three. So. I keep falling asleep. No. But, yeah, but it's, it's only because I'm tired. Life, it's, right, exactly, it? it's only because I'm tired, so yeah. I'm just like. So is it, but is it, edit, is it is it Better Call Saul that's boring, or am I just like turning into my dad? Whereas as soon as, just, turning into as, soon as I'm li- as soon as I'm lying down, as soon as I'm lying down, I'm, I just seem to want to fall asleep. Man, you watch TV lying down? That sounds nice. Yeah, well, it's because we you need to get a drum machine and start <laughs> like, tapping. I don't, I don't, I don't program beats while I'm watching Better Call Saul. But what I was going to say is that uh, I kind of taught myself to play guitar. Like when I was a teenager, I would just sit there watching TV playing guitar. And I can't do that anymore because I have someone in right. the room with me when I'm watching TV. Yeah. Understandably, who, who finds it a bit distracting. So I have, I have the Tempest. I have one, <laughs> one headphone in. Really? And I, yeah. But can you concentrate on A, what you're doing on the drum machine, and B, what's happening? The, the sort of... The, the, no, the sort of... no, I just, I totally phase out of, I, I phase out of one or the other. But what's good is like, I'll just be doing it without really thinking about what I'm doing. And then, and then I'll lose interest in the show and I'll realise I've come up with something I'm really enjoying on the drum machine. Oh, I don't know how you do it. That's just too much. I, I'm very much, I've got to be engaged in like one thing. Yeah. I like, I like what I really, so. quite often when I'm mixing, I'll just be browsing the internet while it's playing in the background. <laughs> and then I'll suddenly notice something. Really? You, yeah, I, like, I really like getting really? into the, the frame of mind where I'm not paying attention to it. And this is like towards the end of the process. And then that's yeah, when yeah. you notice that's interesting. stuff that's wrong. That's, I mean, you know, when you're mixing, I mean, there is always that thing of like, you know, taking regular breaks. Yeah. And just not, you know, not it's not that you're not working on it too hard, but you just don't consume yourself with the really small details. And maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. watching TV. There's a time and when you something... need to think about the details. Of it. Well, I like to think I like to spend some of the time thinking about the details, and then 
Yeah, I, I, I really like, like, some of my favourite stuff that I've ever come up with, I've come up with just by, like, I'd be doing a take on the on the guitar, say, on, on a track, and then you get to the end of the track, the track stops, and I'll just, like, be enjoying what I'm playing, so I'll carry on playing for a bit, and then I'll kind of go, go off somewhere else, and suddenly I might be playing, like, a little hook or riff that I didn't really think about, I didn't mean to get there, and then it fits with the song, because I, you know, got, got to it whilst playing the song. Um... And then, you know, you just stick it somewhere else in the song, you find the place for it, and yeah. it's all gravy. So have you found... I mean, you know, going back to, if you like, this this record, kind of going back to your roots of just, you know, doing it all yourself, mm. yourselves. And when I say you, I, of course, I mean, I mean Elizabeth as well. Um, but it's it's just the band. Um, I mean, I mean, how was it working with, with a producer? Because you, you work with two massive producers. Yeah, and Stephen also Street and, and Steve Mackey on the first record, who's a, yeah. who's a really good producer. He played bass and pulp, of course. I mean, working mm. with Stephen, I've got to say, out of all my experiences producing... Stephen Street. Stephen Street, yeah, was definitely just the, the most amazing experience. I mean, you know, we'd come in with these, with these demos and he would load them up onto his system and... You know, by the time by the time we were finished that day, it would be sounding really, really good. Yeah. And it kind of actually opened my eyes to how it it kind of opened my eyes to the, the possibility of how good what we were doing could sound. And that sounds a, a bit arrogant, but I don't. No, no, no. I just, no, I, I just, I, I just I mean that. Way. You know, he wasn't doing anything special, really. I mean, he was. He was applying his years of experience yeah, yeah. and his innate ability to 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 to. To work on to work with sound, but he he wasn't you know waving a magic wand at it. He was just taking the sound that was there and doing a few, quite often quite small things. I remember you you worked with him once, didn't you? No, uh, I didn't work uh, with him. Basically, we, we um, yeah. Urchin had just started. We'd been going a year uh, in the old place in Limehouse, and I was working with uh, Adam Fichek. I, I, I did his Roses Kings Castles album, and it was just me. Dan was Dan Cox was away, and. Adam came in that morning and said, like, oh, Stephen Street's coming in today. I was just like, oh, okay. And I didn't think, I, didn't th- I thought he was kind of bullshitting, actually. And he, and he did, he came in. I've never been, I was so nervous, because I'm like, oh. Man, I was, I didn't know Pro I had to play and, guitar yeah. <laughs> when Stephen was recording, my hands were shaking. Yeah, I was yeah. really nervous. But, I mean, like every kind of really good producer that I've worked with, uh, they're just really good at just being cool. Yeah. And instantly, they came in, I was nervous for about five minutes, he made, do you know what he made? This is what I liked about him, right? Was that he, he kind of stayed for about an hour and he made like five points that were kind of at once very specific and also could be interpreted in, like, what did he say? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember exactly what he said. You know, but, but, the... but we applied these five things and everything just went... Just the whole of the the track just kind of focused into place. Yeah, it was it was brilliant, yeah. very inspirational. And he taught me about we were double tracking a guitar at the time, and he said, "Oh, for the double track, take the that's one of take, his big take things." Take the yeah. mic away. Yeah, and he, it was. And I've he, always remembered that. Even when he's double tracking a voice, he might put say he's got reverb on the voice. He, he won't put the reverb on the double track just to have them be a bit different, yeah. or he'll put a delay on the on the on the second track. He always just. He always just likes to have the double tracks be slightly different to each other. So did you, I mean, did you miss that that input this time? Or did you feel like you'd learned, well, you know? It was interesting, actually, I was going to say on the, the soundtrack, we did the soundtrack to a film um, which came out. Which I want to get onto, it's on my notes here. Uh, and I actually, I took I took what we'd recorded down to Stephen's studio and I uh, uh, he, he sat with me and listened to the whole thing just... Just by listening to it, made a couple of sort of a couple of suggestions on each track. Or, you know, maybe this this track needs a, a double time tambourine. This track, piano's a bit boxy. Take some four hundred out. Just stuff like that, and yeah. that was that was so helpful. Especially at that time, I wasn't very confident in my uh, in my mixing abilities. And I've got to say, I mean, getting onto the film. So, Joe, if you don't know, uh, listeners, uh, Jeremy's done uh, a film called Beyond Clueless. Well. Again, it was it was the band, so it was me and Elizabeth. Sorry, sorry, Elizabeth. Apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the both of you. Um, I'm just saying you because you're here. The the, the music for Beyond Clueless is, is really good. Thank you very much. That's very Because um, nice. I, I thought that it was. I mean, obviously, the the film. You were definitely the right fit as a band. Yeah. For it, 
you know, it, well, it, it just really... for the listeners who might not know, the the film Please. was a yeah. documentary about about teen films and um, Elizabeth and I in, in summer camp. The kind of teen film was a big influence on our aesthetic. So Charlie, the director, who was kind of already well a fan of the band, asked us to do it. And it was it worked out really nicely. Yeah, but but I feel that like even though it's gonna fit, the, you know, because I did I did a few gigs with with, That's right, with yeah with we you did guys. we did some live soundtrack shows and, and Matt played the drums with us and uh no it was just you got it like the moods and the and it also I mean I don't know if the process of making it was fun but it kind of yeah it was a lot of fun you know yeah. it's, 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 yeah. it's basically you playing with a lot of synths yeah uh, you know what I mean yeah I can just I mean, tell Char- that made you happy Charlie Charlie let us have a lot of freedom and there's just something about you get an image up on screen and you think well what would sound good with this and it's a, it's a lot easier really than writing a, a song where you you don't have any kind of all you know is that you want it to be good you know or <laughs> yeah. maybe you know that you want it to fit in in the album in a certain place or like some, something like that so yeah. so you kind of like is this the first time you've kind of written t- to a brief then because uh, it is it we've is. done bits and pieces with with other similar sort of things I've I've done a few kind of things off piste but this is the first major project of that of that nature, yeah. Although actually, come think of it, we did an EP between our first and second album called Always, and um, that was our uh, our A and R guy at, at Moshi Moshi Records, uh, Michael McClatchy, said to us, "Why don't you do a a disco EP?" Is that was that the brief? Yeah, just, yeah. A disco. And we just, well, we you just, you can interpret it. that any any way. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were. There's a bit more to it. We were, I I really wanted to do a, an acoustic EP. For some reason, I had this idea that we should because we'd done a couple of acoustic gigs and it had been really good and we said that to I, could, I could see that I could see that working oh yeah yeah maybe we will one, one day uh, and there's a couple of disco-ish tracks on the on the first album so which Michael really liked he said instead of doing that why don't you follow that thread through and I, yeah I really like that EP so that was yeah doing stuff to a brief I really like constraints I find that they're really creatively enabling in a way because yeah. if you know that you can only do something within this world if you can do anything, where'd you start? But then in that case, when you're producing your yourself, particularly again coming back to this 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 new record, do you deliberately say, you know, put limits on yourself? Well, with this new record, we knew that because the first record we did had this concept. Uh, it was called Welcome to Condale, and all the songs were set around this fictional California suburb of, of Condale, and that uh, that really opened doors to us of where we were going to go with the songs because. You could just you could just explore a different facet of that rather than on the second album where we just wanted to write you know how many songs eleven I think eleven eleven twelve good songs you know it was going to just be our new album we we deliberately didn't want to have a concept and th- this album we really wanted to to have a concept and we actually we started off with this one concept and then we kind of got three or four songs into that before realizing it wasn't quite right then we found another so we kind of kept on like swapping from concept to concept and then the album. We've we've taken all the songs that fit in with the the final concept that we. What's the what? Can you, so the concept of the album the concept, is yeah. is it's kind of, the aesthetic is inspired by um, horror movies and kind of uh, like scary books and that kind of teenage American horror aesthetic. Okay. And the idea is that it's about uh, like it's it's like a horror story where the the evil is like a bad relationship. So that's why it's called Bad Love. Okay. And what, once what, we knew that, your... it, it made it a lot easier to to open to open our eyes to what the to what which songs because we've written you know we write like we might finish twenty twenty five songs for an album. It's quite hard to pare, pare that down and work out what what's going to go on. What were the reference points for the films and, and books? What were the specific? Yeah, um, and this this kind of stuff always comes from Elizabeth. I really like she's so good at like the big picture stuff. I'm like I'm kind of. I get obsessed with details and, and she will come in and say, you realise that you have made the vocal three times as loud as it needs to be or like, you realise that, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's stuff like point horror novels, 90s slasher fit films. So what's um, like Scream? Scream, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the only, um, that's the only, like, you know, that's I the only horror film summer, I think I've seen in the cinema. Kind of, yeah, well, that's a great film. Very yeah. funny film too. I just remember, I'm I'm really chit with horror. I, I yeah. don't I tend to watch it because because I'm I'm a wimp. Well, you probably better not listen to any record then. Yeah. <laughs> no, what I was going to say is that like um, having heard 
the track you sent me mm. was the it's very the the aesthetic and that was a track that made us realize what the aesthetic should be really because yeah. it's a very crunchy yeah um yeah, I just, let's, I just go with, let's go I with crunchy. Distortion, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's the, I find that um I've got sorry, one of my notes here is distortion question mark. Yeah. <laughs> like what what I what? think the answer to that is distortion <laughs> exclamation mark. Uh, yeah. yeah, I just I, I love it. Um I just find it you know, I I'm working with gear that is not top of the line. I'm working on a system that I've had for nearly ten years now that um that I know very well, but I know its limitations as much as I know its, you know, and, and the room that we mixed it in, which was before we moved house, you know, it's not a great sounding room. It's not got a, it's not a very, uh, mixes don't transport well to other places. Yeah, they? yeah. So I knew that, I, I just, I've just discovered that the best way for, for us to get stuff to sound good is to, is to love love the flaws really and love love a bit of distortion love a bit of uh st- messiness yeah i mean i, I i'm I'm a, I'm a fan of me, me and me and dad spoke me just how, like we just noise to, just distort everything noise just glues <laughs> stuff distorted. together yeah. yeah and uh so geek, geek this is a geeky this is a geeky yeah. section again now kids what 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 are your kind of favorite how what, at what point in the chain do you do you distort it or what, or what what do you it really depends on 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 the instrument but one of my main distortion tools is um when I was doing that second record that Marcus Dravs, who's obviously a great, great producer, uh, produced, he um, he basically gave me a shopping list and he said, go out and get all this stuff and that's what you're going to use to make your record, you know. And it was a... Really? Yeah, yeah. A new, it was a, so a new Mac, um, a new sound card, which is an Apogee ensemble, and a, a Drama 1960 to double-channel preamp compressor. And I don't know why he said get that. Okay. Because it's not one that has, you know, gone down the ages as one of the great preamps of our time. You know, I mean, I I really <laughs> like it, and it, yeah, yeah. it's it's been it's been my main kind of channel strip ever since. But it has this um, input on the front, which for ages I thought was broken because anything I plugged into it just came out really like gnarly and distorted. <laughs> I was like, why is why is everything so distorted on on my you know instrument in, or line input, whatever it's called, on on the front? And then I looked in the manual and it said. Uh, this has been run through the valves really hot in order to simulate the sound of a guitar amp. I was like, ah, uh, oh, now I get it. But I absolutely love it. It doesn't really sound like anything else. It's it's really, really crunchy and just violent and a bit disgusting. And I, I really like it. And so quite often I'll just put anything, anything in. So synth, I DI all my guitars now. I never bother with amps really? when I record. Yeah. Into that? that yeah. The... yeah, and I don't, I don't use amp simulators either. Interesting. Um, and um, on my guitar as well, I've got a couple of you know distortion pedals. I've got a Shredmaster, which is a late ninety, uh, early nineties distortion oh, pedal. The Johnny Greenwood. It's one. a Johnny Greenwood pedal. It's yeah. also, uh, I mean, people say that Kevin Shields used it, although it doesn't really sound like him to me. But you put a Fender guitar with a humbucker into that, and it just instant Johnny Greenwood. It which really is very satisfying. But, okay, uh, okay, I wonder why Marcus chose. It. I wonder if he chose those things because that stuff that he knew or where he's like, yeah. no, this would suit the aesthetic. Of, uh, I, I must ask him. I th- yeah, please, please do. And let me know what he says, but I suspect he asked one of the engineers that he worked with to recommend some stuff. And that's that, that was affordable and that's what they came back with. Yeah. 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 Uh, how was it? Well, cause I was, yeah, again, I played, you played, I played, you played drums. drums and you I, and, you yeah. and Bet split up I was the drum. Terrified. Um, mm-hmm. um, cause we mm-hmm. did it at air. We did it at air on, he was recording the Coldplay album Viva Le Viva No, it was it was it was their fourth one. Okay, so he okay. Didn't the third one. And um, he was doing that album at the same time as he was doing mine, and they had a day off on their on their recording schedule. Yeah. So we we snuck in on their day off and used like you were playing on. I was playing on 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 their. If there's, is it if, world champion? If anyone from Coldplay happens to be listening to this. Thank you. Yeah, my, that was, I, I no, hope we're not going to drop. No, well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, actually, I might have to edit this yeah. out. But, but, yeah, that, that was. Is, he said that they, they were called it, and which was seriously I'm sure nice. Were, I'm sure that you know. You know, I mean, we were very, very respectful. Very nice, nice people. I've never seen so much gear. Yeah, they had like <laughs> they had all kinds so of stuff that gear. you would not imagine. Uh, I, I would not have imagined at that time 
and then hearing the album it made a bit more sense but like the guitarist is one of those like guitar synths that convert your guitar noise guitar, guitar notes into into like analog synth sounds the bassist had a whammy pedal on his on his bass which i'd never heard of but before. they basically had all the gear they had anything, literally all the gear anything you'd ever <laughs> heard was supposed to be good they had yeah i remember you, i remember the kit was a was a uh well there were there were a few there but it was an old a 60s Ludwig one of those what do you I can't remember but yeah it was great it was a great experience and, yeah. Mar- and Marcus was just dead yeah. I mean we, we dead, dead cool all the drums on that record in one day and actually I can't remember, someone was telling me that Mumford and Sons who worked with them around the same time they were saying oh yeah we did all the drums on our record in one day so maybe it's that's something that he likes to do you know get all the drums done and then like you can spend as long as you want fiddling about with the, the you know the, the, the important shit yeah <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a really cool experience. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, going just chopping back to the film thing again. Actually, do, do you see yourself doing more? Because I mean, I I mean, I see yourself. I see you doing more film stuff. I would love to do more film stuff, um, and I kind of hoped that this film would be a, a gateway into more film stuff, and it, it hasn't yet materialised into anything concrete. But you know. Um, it's it's nice in that in the past if I met someone in the film world I, you know I would say oh I'd love to do a film soundtrack I've, I've never done one but yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'd be good and now at least I can point to this and say you know we have some experience here check it out yeah and then the, and it seemed that the film was really really yeah, well really well, well received well yeah. received um, yeah and Charlie's now doing a film for the BBC about horror movies is he so. is, is asked you um, I don't know what they're doing for the music yet. Okay, but I've I've told him I'd like to do it. Okay, so we'll see. It's probably could be it could be political. Um, so Jeremy, before um you came here, uh, so I, I think I asked you a week ago, you know, to do it, and uh, so I've I've been having like a, like a Jeremy Wormsley <laughs> retrospective, which has been brilliant. I've really enjoyed it, oh, and God. and I've I enjoyed it because um I was particularly listening to art fiction, um because. It's the first time I've actually listened to any of your music. And when I say any of your music, I mean the, the Jeremy Wormsley stuff before Summer Camp. This is the only time I've like listened to it for pleasure. No, no, because... no, which <laughs> sounds, the rest which, of the time it which, was just like no, putting tea. No, 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 which sounds like anything, but it's not. Because I think anything... Because I, you know, I, I played on that first record, the first two records, and we yeah. were touring it. Anything that I'm working on, I don't put... You don't go on yeah. after, a, the, you know, at home and listen to it. Yeah, yeah. You, you know... Um, so and I, and there's definitely been enough distance now from those records where you can put them on and go oh yeah you listen to it as the, as music again yeah, yeah and 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 I, I, I mean I, I can't but I'm glad that you can well no I, I don't think you yeah you'll never be able to uh, because it's weird. you yeah it's you'll, so you'll, weird. you'll never have that I, I love listening to music that I've made up until the point it gets released and then oh really uh, and then you just have too many associations with it to be able to listen to it calmly. It's very, very strange. I mean, maybe it'll take like I don't know. Maybe it'll take twenty, yeah. twenty years. Yeah. But it was funny maybe. listening to yeah the art of fiction was I forgot on the arrangements. Yeah. So things surprise you. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's cool. Especially like, on that's, on, oh, on that record where you know I would I did stuff then that I I, I would listen to that now and be like why well, I wonder why I did that it just doesn't doesn't make any earthly sense to me you know mm. that was a that was what. Nearly ten years. In fact, it was recorded ten years ago. Ten years ago, and it, the, the the standout tracks for me. Oh yeah. Were, okay. If well, I can give you a, well, criti- going... a, a, a critique oh, of please. that record. No, no. I just I really enjoyed Jonathan and and the Oak Tree. Yeah. And also okay. uh, the 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 second track, the piano one with you and Tom. Oh, uh, I knew was, that uh, her face was, was a like, I like my long titles back then. Yeah, yeah. Really I'm all good. about like short titles. I mean, I guess. The question I wanted to ask is, is also listening back to it. You write very classic songs in the sense of they have, you know, pretty harmony, melody, verse, chorus, middle eight ish structure. Mm. Some of the structures are bonkers, um, and and I also as an aside, I remember how difficult that shit was to play. <laughs> like, really, really I remember was. we did Jonathan Miochi at the Borderline. Oh, that man. must have been. Uh, it was the two of us, and, and it was when we had that period where we didn't have a bass player for some reason I was like we'll just get the bass played on the piano that'll be, that'll be exactly the same I didn't know what I was talking about and I remember during that song 
there's a there's like one of the choruses is one and a half times the length of the other chorus or something yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, and you guys got it right and I got it wrong and I was just stood there singing <laughs> the high note over the song <laughs> over the wrong chords and I just you know you can't recover from something like that on stage oh it was awesome. I think I remember that actually yeah. was that the Lexington uh, and it was the borderline before the Lexington borderline okay it was, a, it was a venue but um that was awful but um yeah no it was it was me you and Rog actually yeah I was like I really enjoyed I really enjoyed it but we needed a bassist I don't know what we were thinking maybe it was just more economical I really I really had this I think when we first when I first started playing live I really had this thing about how I didn't want to have a bass player on stage I don't know why I really I really don't know why and in fact our first uh, the the first time we ever played together when I was first looking for a drummer for my live stuff you came recommended from Toby who was at the label Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a guy playing sax through an octave pedal. And it was going to be the bass. <laughs> I, don't know what, I just, you know, I was like, I don't know. I'd be different, you know. I don't, I don't know. Either. But um, but but going back to it, I mean, the question I wanted to ask was was yeah, no, I think that, that you write, you know, you're you're quite a, a classic songwriter in the sense of like li- lyrics and and music. But that record particularly, and with your second solo record. They're just really the arrangements, the choice of sound, the production is just completely twisted. Yeah, and I mean, how that's much, exactly what I was. Going how much for. of that was a conscious? Was because because yeah. because if, if you'd have played a lot of the songs from the first two records, if you had played them on, it could have been like a singer songwriter record. Yeah, I mean, you know, but and, well, it so was. Really. Were you consciously trying to get away from? Yeah, from that, from that. I mean, the the me of ten years ago would be chuffed to bits to hear someone say that. Um, because that is exactly what he slash I was slash were uh, am going for. Uh, I think that, you know, I I loved classic songwriting, but I was really aware of how much pap there was of like one dude and a guitar singing sad songs about, mm. you know, about breakups. So everything I did had to be, uh, and I thought I was really clever. I was really... I was really impressed with myself. So everything I did had to be had to be uh, uh, turned on its head in some way. Yeah. And in fact, very mathy, very yeah. mathy. What's the tune where you drop a beat each time? It's near the end. Oh yeah, at the the outro uh, of A Matter of Principle. We never played that. <laughs> no, we did. We that, did we did we? that on our tour no, sporting. No, we didn't. Pizza. But we didn't play that outro. We did. We did play. Did the we? Outro. Did we yeah, get that we together? We did, but we did a different version of it, which was a slightly simplified. But still, it was it was one bar of four four, one bar of seven eight six eight five eight, going okay. down down down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until bum ba bum ba. Yeah. Again, it didn't. It was. I'm really like when I listen to it now. I think. Good on you, past me, for having <laughs> quite, I think, a fairly original idea. Although not yeah, that original. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually, yeah, uh, having quite an original idea. But when I actually listen to it, I don't. I'm not thinking, and it sounds great too. I'm thinking, but, well, but it's I, an original idea, but it sounds. But, it's but I think funny. I think you're never going to think that about well, your own work. Yeah. But but I would say, Jeremy, listening back to it, it, it what you were very original. You, you are you, slash thank were. Thank you very much. Very, very original. And because th- that record just definitely sounds like it's anything. And also, I, I, I got a like, I like the way that you placed, you would place very traditional instruments next to something that goes, <laughs> you know, so that there's a, because there's a lot, there's like horns. Yeah. Next to sort of And I would, I would put the horns through, turn the horns into glitchy electronics as well. I would use them as a sound source. I was, at that point, it was all about getting audio like on Jonathan the Oak Tree your your drums are cut up and the mm. the like you hear like bits of cymbals like the I was really into like I'd get the you know the, the I'd get you to play like a groove and then I'd take the bit where the cymbal was was dying off and I'd make that the snare hit okay so like you know the so on every snare hit there'd be like a kind of okay, cymbal okay. wash you know I was really into getting bits of audio and then like cutting them up turning them backwards messing around with them Mm. Um, and then the second album was more about uh, programmed synths and stuff. Except back, back then, I wasn't using any real stuff. I was using all like Reason. Which what were you listening? I think is a bit enough. <laughs> what were you, you listening go. to back then? Uh, I mean, could, would you, do you have any? Because I mean, I felt that like, and even though you never said this, but I kind of felt your biggest influence 
in, spi- in, 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 in the spirit of it was, was the Beach Boys, in the sense of like, you know, it, when Pet Sounds came out, it, it, was, it was very classic songwriting, but it was done in a, a, a very mm. inventive manner. And I always felt that you, that kind of, that pioneering spirit, yeah. you, you, you Well, that, that was always my, my dream was to, you know, we've already said, was to write s- songs that could be, that would be easy to, that would, songs that would be impactful but present them in a way that was unusual and original. That was what I was trying to do. Mm. Um, and so I guess I had like one string of influences down the song side and then another string of influences down the production side, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, production-wise, I loved Aphex Twin. Mm. And I'm trying to think, because this is 2005 is when the bulk of it was written. And I, I know I really loved The Knife, but that album didn't come out until 2006. So I'm trying to think who else. Fortet was a massive influence on that. I think you can I hear can, that. I can hear that, yeah. On the, on the drums. And he's someone who does a lot of stuff in audio and cuts it up. Um, and then on the song side, you know, I, I really loved XTC at that point. <laughs> really? Yeah, XTC okay, were like okay. my like one of my main bands. XTC and Tom Waits. Okay. Uh, and I think you can kind of hear that some of the some of the chord changes are quite like unexpected, which is something Andy Partridge does a lot. Mm. Um, it's still, I would say, it's still particularly the first record of Efficient. It doesn't sound like anything else. It definitely sounds like its own thing. Yeah, I th- I mean, I would, I would agree with that, even even at the cost of my own modesty. I, I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that that was... You know, it didn't... I'm not sure if it did me any favours. Because it, it is quite a, an, an abrasive listen at times. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, again, what comes of mixing a record and, you know, really bad speakers when you get... No, 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 I don't mean, I don't mean sonically. There would oh, just right. be, you know, it seems that like you would lure people into this song, yeah, and make them feel comfortable, and then yeah. go, whoa, yeah, here's, I, a le- yeah. here's a left turn, yeah, yeah, which make, which makes it really interesting, yeah, that is, but that, but that's it, exactly it, what I was it's going not going to, you know, I don't, know, it will, you will, you, it, it, that, you will polarize people when you yeah, do that, yeah, and it made it really hard to do it live because there was no way to reproduce these arrangements without using just ridiculous amounts of backing track, which I was vehemently opposed to at the time. I think you were right. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, yeah or, or, or having like a 10-piece band, which is my... And we did that gig where there were seven of us on stage. The first gig we and that did. Was, and that was... I wish, was I'd, I, wish, I wish I'd pushed on in that direction. The, the label weren't, weren't keen. Well, I'm sure it was expensive. Yeah. You know, if you want to have seven people... people at that point, so I don't know why... <laughs> Uh, it just meant I think they wanted to position me on the singer songwriter. You know, the, they had me touring with Regina Spector and oh, and the Shins and stuff like and that. that which was, was you and Tom. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, which was great. And then we did we did the tour with the Shins. That by the way, that was amazing. The tour with the Shins. Yeah, that was incredible. So it was like we played. We did two nights at the Forum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But well, while people were walking in, but yeah, people were walking in. People were walking in and, and wondering what. What, was going are, on. what are the? Who are these? Yeah. Who are these idiots? <laughs> But, Where's the um, bass player? <laughs> yeah, no, we had a bassist. We had Shay on bass on, on that tour, I think. Oh, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Shay, who's now one of the most highly regarded session musicians, and the coolest in the person country. in the planet. He's a. You're listening, Shay. Extremely Shea? awesome. You're welcomed. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a that was a funny tour. That was it. But it was, it was yeah. It was enjoyable. This is just reminiscent central. No, this is great. I haven't thought no, about this stuff in years. Let's. It's <laughs> a lie. Um. <laughs> um <laughs> What else did I want to ask you, Jeremy? Um, so, yes, art of fiction. So, it's going to be ten years. Are we going to do a gig? I'd like to, yeah. I'd like yes. to. Um, art, uh, like a ten-year... I think we should just do the Lexington... One night at I the mean, Lexington. That's exactly what I've been thinking. And we should, like, you know, do it for charity or something so that it's got... So it's not just a massive ego trip for me, <laughs> really. <laughs> and maybe do the big band thing. Yeah, that's so, a great idea. The, the, by the way, this is, a, so this is a, actually another note I had. Um, who played violin on, on it? Um, the violin playing is, is really good. It was uh, it was Dirty Pretty Strings who uh, came in, which is a, 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 a Gita or Gita Harcourt, which okay. is Ed Harcourt's wife. So that came in through Toby, I think. Okay. And yeah, they, um, oh, man, they, they did a great job, but the place where we recorded it... Uh, the um, well, it wasn't anyone's fault. It was my fault, really. In fact, I say the place where newbie producer over here made the fatal error of not checking to see if there was any bleed coming through from the click track. 
so after we'd recorded all the strings we started listening back and, and they'd gone home we, we started listening back to everything and every single track just had this really clearly audible extremely loud tambourine because they, they'd all taken one ear off so they could hear yeah, yeah, yeah. hear each other yeah. so we should have panned off off to one side but we had the click track coming through as well so we didn't realise and so I when I was mixing it or when I was incorporating the strings into the because I didn't really mix back then was that that place in Clapham? no it was at the Strong, strong Rooms okay um, and um, yeah I had to go through and cut out any time when anybody wasn't playing any like any time a note was trailing off there'd be a click track audible when they were playing if it was on the same beat as the the strings you couldn't hear it but which was just a I mean now it would be really easy for me but back then I didn't know the shortcuts to, to do that kind of stuff right. I'm miming did you, did you, manu- did you yeah, manually I manually went through and cut yeah. and I had to put loads of extra reverb on bits there's one point I think on Modern children, this is getting really geeky. But like, okay. there's like a that's, yeah, that's the bit that made me think. Good string play. Oh, okay, and that that was written by Tom actually. Tom Tom came up with that. Um, I think anyway. Tom helped me arrange the strings for those and the brass on Tom Rogerson. Tom Rogerson. Three Trap Tigers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he wrote that bit. Brilliant bit of string writing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they end on this chord, and of course it's supposed to be, and it was. Uh, so I had to cut that off and then put like and that's why there's this bloom of reverb but it ended up being quite a nice effect okay I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back and listen yeah. to that do, that, that, do. Partic- that particular thing I did a string session here uh, recently and yeah there was there was click bleed in the strings yeah you just got to check you don't know to check it until what? you've done it don't know to check it and it was well no I did I I, I, got, like, I, I kind of was checking and the, it really wasn't that loud but for some reason but if if the strings are in any way exposed it's going to be all Unfortunately, they weren't. Right. I, I was just like, ooh. But that's why I, we've, I must get some of those, you know, what the, what the pros use. They're the one, the uh, one-sided. Yeah. But you just pan it on the, on the monitor mix. Tell them all to use their left ears. Genius. Or just do that. Yeah, easy. You should, you should come work here, man. Oh, man. With those kind of, with those kind of production suggestions. Yeah. I'm, I'm all over it, man. Yeah. Fucking hell. I'm, I'm, on, uh, I'm on call anytime you need me. Okay. Thanks, mate. Yeah, um, easy. Yeah, no, that was... Uh, Actually, mate, I'd love to. I'd love to do something with you. I know, me too. Because I've been the the your the, the Emperor Yes record. Too. Oh yeah, this was on your list. You mentioned great. It. Thank it's, you very it's much. It's really. It, it's. I think you did a really, really good job. Thanks. I feel like yeah. You know, we, everything came out really nicely. Really nicely. I mean, I didn't mix it. I have to say, the mix. It, was, the, uh, it sounds great. Cla- Claudius. Some bad guy in New York, right? Mittendorfer, I want to say, but I'm not entirely sure. He did a great job. He works out of Tim Wheeler's studio. Tim Wheeler from Ash has a studio in New York, and uh, and he he mixes there, and that was um, that was great and a lot of fun. I mean, I've known Ash for a long time. We our first session where we did the drums on uh, Dirty Blue Jeans and other tracks was done at his his first studio, in 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 uh, like in in like Limehouse. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, and we did the. that I recorded drums for that Emmy the Great song Secret Circus. Yeah, that's true. We did that there. That was probably first actually, mm. and then Dirty B Jeans was later. And then um, yeah, so that was that was how I got to know Ash was through Emmy from um, from from yeah he was a good friend of hers. And then he he's got this studio uh, in it's in Langdon Park. Yeah. It's on the DLR. Uh, it's a yeah, really huge live room, and I, I've often done stuff there. I did anytime we we did live drums for like B sides and stuff. Yeah, don't bother coming here, mate. It's fine. Why? Yeah. <laughs> you've never you've never recorded here. I've never you? recorded here. You recorded at the obviously we recorded. Yeah, the we did we did boat song in Temptation there. Yeah, at the old place, and I we rehearsed here for your wedding. I wasn't here though. But you weren't here. No. I wasn't here. By the way, Dan, um, we've me and Dan. Um, went through some old drives, right? Oh yeah. Because we were just like this. Because we've been going like eight years now, and do you remember? We, oh, we had an opening party. I knew it was going to be that. Apparently, it sounds cool. I'm sure. It's, do you want to play sure it? Great. No. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to attach it. Check on the end of this. No, I, I haven't heard it, but Dan says it's uh, it, it's it's cool. And thanks again for doing that. Hey, no problem. You know, there was no fee, so so. so yeah, no, it was my pleasure. Yeah. So thanks, but um, yeah. So I mean, I can. As well as doing um, film stuff, Jeremy, I can totally see you doing more more production work. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed producing Ash's record, and I would definitely love to do more production. Uh, I'd also, you know, yeah, I just I basically I, 
I'm up for everything. I love I love playing music, so you know. Yeah. But um that was a that was a lot of fun to do and It's just such very, fun music. Empress is such fun yeah, music. Yeah, you've worked with them as well. In fact we used yeah. I don't know if you realise this, but we they when they came and recorded uh End of the World or Frogs, as it's also known, they they recorded that here and we used that as the basis for the track. That was in the old urchin. Oh, is that the old place? Yeah, that no, was man, old actually. And that it was, was, it was that was here because it was after you moved in here. I was okay. Like yeah, I, I wasn't, here. I wasn't here. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it's it's super fun music. Um, yeah. I so, mean, that was that was really so straightforward to to do. It probably doesn't seem it from listening to the tracks. It was mostly a case of like just deleting tracks of of synth noises that Ash, <laughs> Ash would do, or at least not. That's a bit unfair. Like arranging it a bit. That was that was the main the main challenge. Because they've got in Emperor Yes, Hugo yeah. is the details guy. Yeah, he's you know all about that. Yeah, so I guess well, you didn't have to come in and just be all. Yeah, I mean, I, I would occasionally. Uh, there was a few kind of little extra tweaks and hooks here and there, like um, on the song Cosmos. They had like a, a guitar hook, and I said, "Write, write melody and sing that instead," or as well, write a, a, a lyric rather and just sing that melody. And I think that worked really well on, on that tune. But you know, I mean, they've got such a great, such a great drummer. And if you have a good kind of ambience around the drums, and they've got, you know, Ash has got some great ways of recording in that room of his. Mm. If you've got a really good ambience around the drums, then you've kind of got the sound, the kind of the body of the sound. And I feel like in summer camp, that's something we're always kind of. That's why we end up using so much distortion. We we, if you if you just use DI'd sounds and and samples, which is how a lot of our songs start off, at least. You just don't have anything in the kind of in the middle. You know, there's no there's no room tone, and that's why I've started using drum machines as well. It's because they tend to have. They just feel like they there's something coming out of them. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like there's something there that you can you can put in your hand, you know, you can feel, feel its weight. <laughs> yeah. I'm like making a cupping gesture. I don't know what I'm cupping. I know exactly. No, I know exactly. And, and, and I know exactly what yeah, you mean. Yeah. Though. You know, anyone who records music will hopefully know what I'm, know what I'm saying. And that was, you know, with them, it was that, and it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying about how Marcus would do all the drums first. And then you have, the sound has a, has a, an identity. No, not even an identity. The sound has like a, a core and you can give it its identity rather by then by filling in all the details you know Hugo would have these these synth sounds and Ash would have his like stuff that he got off his iPad or his Tenerion or and then it was just a case of just making sure there wasn't really it was it was really a case of making sure there wasn't too much stuff pressing around his vocal like carving out some some uh, some rhythmic space mostly for his vocal yeah uh, so that was so that your your ear could concentrate on that, and then the detail of all the other bits and pieces would jump up in the gaps between the vocals, so you'd have something to listen to then. Sure. Yeah. Well, you, mate, mate, you did, did, a, did a, a fantastic job. Thanks very so, much. So, I, I'd like more people to hear that record because I, I think it's a really great record. Me too. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. It's re- it, it came to get it came together really, really, and they definitely got that that the right guy to mix it because yeah it he did a great sound job. Yeah. it's it's just sounding great yeah. um but but going back to summer camp uh you're touring again now yeah we're doing a couple of shows um oh, when, like, are, when are they uh we're playing on june 1st at the victoria right. in dalston and may 29th in salford and what's because you, you have a new drummer now yeah we i mean actually right now I don't. I don't really know what the show is going to be. We haven't okay, made okay. any decisions. We haven't even decided. We haven't decided anything. Have you rehearsed with the we new lineup? We haven't even got the new lineup yet. Oh, oh really? Everything oh, is, okay. Everything is mystery. Okay. So you said that you you had a drummer in place, possibly. Well, um, well I think yeah. Yeah, and we actually we we have got a drummer in place. Okay, yeah, I yeah. should say. In fact, thinking about it, that is one thing that is decided. <laughs> but um, yeah, everything else is 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 unsure and i have a lot of different ideas for what i'd like to do and it's just a case of working out what's going to be workable and elizabeth has a lot of ideas about the presentation do you you want to do something different this time for the show then i would like to i would like to have more basically i have this there's a lot of like on the track bad love there's you know there's that vocal like through the pitch shifter that kind of is one of the main hooks of the track you know okay 
Uh, and I'd like to rather, you know, the obvious thing to do is to have someone singing that through a, you know, pitch shifter of some sort live, I, I think. And I, I want to do more stuff like that, but then there's like a lot of elements at the same time. So that is going on at the same time as my backing vocal. So I kind of want to find a way to do both at the same time. But it's just because, and it's kind of the same problem as I had back in the day of art of fiction, because there's so many elements, especially on this record, which is, a, a, I'd say, a, a bit more detailed than our, our previous one, which we kind of wrote knowing what we sounded like live and thinking how can we kind of sure. transfer that a bit to our, to our record there's a lot of there's a lot of tracks with elements that have no basis in someone playing an instrument you know or you know or or, or not one that's you know very easy to see how we'd make it happen live so obviously there are going to be some backing track elements but I'd like also just to find I want to do stuff with like loopers and, and but then it's tricky to get all that stuff synced up so I'm not totally sure how I'm going to do it yet okay I'll be there I'm, I think I'm around on the first great well, you can I'll, come I'll down come. I'll be at the can, front yeah screaming yeah I mean don't, don't no don't want to do that that'd be, that'd be, that'd be really stand a couple of rows be, I always can I just say a pub, I, public service announcement yeah <laughs> if you know someone anyone out there listening if you're not a musician yourself you probably won't realise this but if you know someone in a band and you go down and see them don't stand don't in stand front. the front I was going to say the same thing because it's really because then it's it becomes a thing and it's it's distracting and we really appreciate that you've come thank you so much for coming. stand at the back but just don't stand the, don't stand <laughs> don't in the front row and don't also don't try if you can hold yourself back from directly talking to us that would also be great because that's really? also it's also very distracting okay. yeah no absolutely um i was gonna say exactly the same thing yeah yeah i i i, I agree so look, this needs us night, but doesn't need us on nicely at all. But I'm gonna give you. It's now time for Cox Corner. Oh, Dan Cox. Dan C O X Cox Corner. Mm. Um, Shouldn't it be Cox's Corner? But then I guess he wouldn't have Co the pun. Cox's Corner. Thinking about making like a little jingle when yeah, I say. And now it's Cox Corner. You've got that music at the start, which is yes, beautiful. Thank you, thank you. Beautiful. I like the little on the hi hat. It, yeah, one of my trademarks, Jeremy. That, yeah. that which, yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah, it is. You know what? When you're talking about Jonathan the Oak Tree before, my, my favourite thing in that track is actually your drum fill. Yeah, which I, I remember. We just, I would just, I was like, just re we just recorded about six or seven, and then I, I think maybe that's two cut together in the middle somewhere. I remember. It's a very. I remember like, recording that because yeah. that was a total. I thought I fucked it up. Yeah, I took the one where you'd. You sort of played it out a little bit, kind of loose, basically. It's, I a, bit, it's got a bit, it's a bit ringer. I couldn't play that again. Yeah. Like, it's one of those ones, it's just like, yeah. I'd really have to, you know. Learn it. Learn it, exactly. Okay, so, Co anyway, but Cox Corner. Oh, here we go. A question from Dan Cox. I've got to say, actually, when I listen to the, uh, sorry to keep on interrupting you. That's all right. When I listen to Laura's podcast with you. I thought it was all great and I thought Cox Corner was great but I remember thinking I'm not looking forward to having to answer the questions of Cox Corner because they're really? brutal and they're incisive well no I mean w w the feedback we got from, from Cox Corner was to make it a bit more a bit more you know don't intimidate the guests because uh, yeah it was yeah. <laughs> you know um, so the question today from Cox Corner is I'm just trying to find it it's on my phone Dan texts them to me here we go what's the most unusual or unexpected sound that's made it onto a final recording. There we go. That's quite. That's, that's, thank you, yeah. thank you, Dan. That's. Uh, I mean, come on, that's a. Uh, that's a low blow. <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? I don't know. What, but you know, you've recorded. Yeah. Because you've recorded a lot of weird shit as well. Yeah. Um, you get me to do the weirdest. Shit. Yeah. Mm. I'm to think about that. You're gonna have to. I'm literally gonna sit here and think about that for a minute, and you're gonna really cut this bit of silence out because it's okay. be really, really boring. Okay, so I think this is quite a dumb one. Like now, I would not do this. And if when I when I think about how it sounded, I don't think it sounded good. I just I did it, and I was like, well, I've done this now, so I'm gonna use it. But the kick drum sound on a really early track of mine. It was on my first demo. It's called After the Fact, and it was it was fact. a B side. I remember yeah, that. I remember that, that yeah. tune. It, was, it ended up being a B. Well, it was on my first EP, and then it became a B side or something. But the kick drum sound on that is ninety percent the sound the clicking sound that turning on my solid state Fender amp made. You know, like when you turn an amp on it or anything that's plugged in, you turn it on and it goes, it was that, that sound yeah, yeah, was, yeah. The, was the kick drum. That's good. That's, that's good. But I mean, that's, that's probably weird about it. 
you know. I recorded once the sound. Of crazy I, shit, I, I, I recorded yeah. once the sound of a backbeat. You know when you uh, put a, a a guitar lead that's plugged into an amp. You put that into the guitar. Yeah. It often triggers off the spring. Oh yeah, <sighs> nice. Yeah, so that's what you want, man. With the spring, you want just the boing. And how do you get boing. just the okay, boing? Okay, this is how you do it. Yeah, okay. this was on a, an EP. Um, and if you touched the 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 metal the end of the lead on the the metal bit of the guitar where you where you plug where you plug it in if you just touch it it went uh, but that's great it was but because because I'm a purist Jeremy and yeah. I didn't want to sample it we had to get a performance yeah them, yeah okay so you had to do it. it the whole way through yeah and it was it was really hard because sometimes the spring goes mental and just, oh, just sounds like a, like and then sometimes it's just like me. So you cut. So you went through and you. No, we no, we got a performance. I performed that. You and I, but I don't think we ended up using it. Um, yeah, Jeremy. I'm Jeremy, you're on your phone. I wanted to ask you <laughs> what? what the backbeat was on a Laura Morning song that I was listening to on my way here. Um, okay. There was one song with like I think the backbeat the was yeah. So and it was it sounded like one of the Adam Betts tricks of like it a hi hat on a snare. Or it is. It's or chopsticks. Um, it's it? a. Um, what song was that? Uh, don't let me bring you down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is um, a hi-hat on a snare, but I think I ha I played it with, like, either a chopstick or something metal. Yeah. Like a I, I've started to use skewers. Yeah, I saw a photo. Exactly that. Just and it, sa it sound amazing. Yeah, it sounds and, cool. And, and do you know what? Because it's a nice kind of I, boingy sound. Yeah, I had some chopsticks. And we were playing around with them, and then we were doing a gig, and I I forgot them, so I was like, oh, what's gonna fucking do something like this? So skewers, I bought, I went into the local sort of kitchen department, of the metal department skewers. store, and bought got some metal skewers, and they sound the skins, brilliant. Right? Sorry, it's gonna kill your skins, right? No, because I don't hit the skin with it. I play, oh, yeah, um, yeah, I play the, the no, and also they're super light, so okay. you can't really get any you can't really get any power with them. But because it's metal on the, the kind of metal, mm. it's really loud. Yeah. Or you know, really loud, considering that you don't have to sort of whack it. Yeah. So that's that's my new that's my new favourite thing. That's cool. But yeah. going back to Dan's question or the okay. the, the Cox question. The Cox corner question. The Cox question. I I have to say I think like the idea of recording something outlandish and, and crazy, for its own sake, is is really stupid. Like I I would I was totally into it back in the day, and now I'm like and now I think rather than. Rather than just saying, what happens if I do this? I, I prefer to either try and design a sound with the final effect in mind, mm. or if something happens that's cool while I'm doing something else, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it as a snippet and, and, use it, and use it later on. But like, I mean, in my days of walking around the house with a handheld recorder, like hitting all my pots <laughs> and pans are, yeah. are, are behind me. I, I, I have to agree that we, um, whenever we've done something like, someone's like, right, what you got to do is you got to get a length of pipe. Yeah, it's like at least two meters long, and then put one end on the snare, and then put the mic down the other end. I, I don't know. Yeah, Actually, that, might, that might sound quite good. I've never tried that. Sound pretty good. That might sound quite. Yeah. But anyway, whenever whenever anyone said oh, yeah. you should do that, because there's this, it's always it's always just never made it on the on the. It's, well, that's quite interesting. And then there's the thing, you know, if you put a lot of money or time into doing something, you're going to trick yourself into into thinking that it's it's worth it's worth keeping whether or not it is worth keeping because mm. you've put all that effort into it so you know there's like stories about people recording you know orchestras for thousands of pounds and then realizing after that they've you know done it in the wrong key or something and, <laughs> and still using it because well we spent thousands of pounds on it <laughs> yeah it must sound good yeah. which is why i mean actually kind of going back to my very original question about mixing you know producing writing doing everything yourself I kind of get to the stage where if you give it to someone else to mix, I me giving it to Dan, if he mm. hasn't recorded it, it's great because I don't have... he that, that mixer who hasn't, record, hasn't recorded it doesn't have any emotional connection mm. to any of the sounds. So just go, this sound is working best for the song. It might have been recorded on yeah. 57... Or it might, you know, or it might have been, you might have done some yeah. really cool trick that you all got really excited yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, but you know. It, the, yeah, and there's a lot to be said for that. But, and in fact, I feel like I never really answered that that question originally. And I, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Go back to it, full, let's go back full, full circle. circle. Yeah, and yeah. We, I imagine there's more Cox Corner stuff we need to get to as well. No. But oh, that was it. That's okay. it. <laughs> wow, that's way off my mind. <laughs> Rest easy. So, 
what what I've what my truth, no. <laughs> the truth of my heart. No, what I've discovered, at least for myself, is that the more you involve other people, the less it sounds like you. I haven't yet worked with someone who makes what we or I do sound sort of more more the way it does in my head than when I when I do it myself or when we do it ourselves. Okay. And and that's that's the trade-off because I think you know, if you were to put Fresh, which is the the first single off our last record, up against this song, I think I mean for me, I think Fresh is sonically a lot more accomplished than this song. It's it's you know it's it's going to translate a lot better to different mixes, uh, to, to different you know speakers. Uh, the frequency spectrum is better represented. You know all, all that kind of technical side of it. Is, is true and I think Stephen also brought something of his artistry to that song when he mixed it you know he brought something of himself to it as naturally anyone does when they work on mm. anything mm. but I think Bad Love sounds more like us and, so would you, and but, that's, but, that's, that's ultimately I, I, I think having experienced all the different ways of working that's more important to me so would you actually say by that rationale then Jeremy you're a producer first and a performer second I mean because me the, production is a performance so you always got to turn it on its head man <laughs> That's me. Yeah, okay, but 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 it's like so. But, and this is something you've mentioned on for every record that you've done, you produce the the right the album. You produce the recorded version first, and then you're like, shit. How am I going to get the live thing together? Yeah. The live thing never comes first. Oh yeah, no, never. Not on any project. Um, well, I guess not on any successful. I've had a couple of projects where we where we worked up the tracks in a and, and it's it's never come to anything. Well, I guess a lot of the people I work with. Yeah, a, a kind of performers, you know. You know, and if, you, if that's and, what you want, and, then coming to a place like this, I mean, ladies and gentlemen on the podcast, you can't see, but this room is so beautiful. The wood, wood flooring, you know, the colour schemes, gorgeous. And it must be such a beautiful dream to come here and, and play your songs and have people like Matt and Dan oversee it and help you get the most out of your arrangements and stuff. But for me, it's all about sitting, yeah, in, no, my, sitting in my front room in my pajamas. Uh, <laughs> You know, watching try, TV and producing yeah. your, and producing your album exactly. Yeah, yeah. but but I mean, but, but I was you know, I, 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 that totally makes sense, and I understand it why. Yeah, you're a, you are a, a kind of self-contained, yeah. self-contained unit in that in that in that regard. Um, so I'm a self-fulfilling media node, like uh, <laughs> like Nathan Barley. A self-fulfilling self. Uh, it's a line from Nathan Barley. You know, uh, you remember that show. It's this show about this incredibly pretentious um, goober, basically, who... Uh, goober? Yeah, it's kind of, it was in the very early days of the internet. It's before you, you kind of predicted YouTube and okay. loads of stuff like that. And he, at one point, he describes himself as a self-fulfilling media node, which I don't really know what that means, but I, it amuses me to think that I might be one. You are. You are. You probably are, Jeremy. <laughs> I can say it. So um, we, we should probably wrap this up. Um, and I always find... I always like to find a nice way to end it. Oh, good luck. Would you like to play us out on the world, is it? Yeah, play us out, Jeremy. Do a medley of... of, 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 of do a medley of your, your entire career in, in 30 seconds. Um, wow, that's a, that's a challenge. It is a challenge. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy Wormsley. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Oh, yeah.